Welcome to Life Lessons with Dr. Steve Shell. For 20 years, Dr. Steve's 30-minute radio program, Life Lessons, was heard throughout the United States. Committed to comprehensively teaching through entire books of the Bible, Pastor Steve pulls out the deep, eternal truths in each section of Scripture without skipping over the challenging passages. He applies what is learned clearly and practically so that we're inspired not to just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. Today, we're going to take a, a really vivid event that happens with, with John. Uh, uh, he, the Lord hands him a, a book and tells him to eat the book. And then he prophesies. And the principle there of filling ourselves with the Word of God uh, before we speak and then letting the Word of God come out of us is very powerful and very vivid. And we're going to let that apply to us today. Heavenly Father, we ask for the word to come alive to us, for ears to hear and eyes to see, soft hearts full of faith. I pray for your grace so that you could speak and I would not be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'll start with a discussion guide. A study was conducted years ago to determine what religious activity had the greatest impact on a person's Christian life. In other words, what noticeably changed people from being nominal Christians into people who act like Jesus? Would it be their consistency in church attendance or tithing or frequency of prayer or service in some area of ministry or regular reading of the Bible? Well, when the results came in, it wasn't even close. One category by far made the greatest difference in the people who practiced it, and that was daily reading of the Bible. Something about reading God's Word and letting our minds and hearts be transformed by it changes people like nothing else does. There's no substitute and no shortcuts. Just having the Bible in four versions on our computer doesn't mean we're putting it into our hearts. <laughs> Did I show you how many versions I have here? Yeah. In order to prepare the Apostle John to prophesy... God handed him a portion of scripture and told him to eat it. And of course, this was a vision and not literal. But the image of him eating the word is a strong example to us. It tells us how important God's word is and how intensely each of us is to interact with it. It's not enough to read it occasionally or have a few favorite verses memorized. We're to chew it and digest it and let it transform us inside until we too can speak the word of the Lord to others. Revelation chapter 10, verse 8 is where I'll begin. John is having a vision in which he sees a, a strong angel. I identify that I think that strong angel is, is the glorified Jesus Christ. I mean, he's standing there so large that one foot's on the sea and one's on the land. He, he is shining like, just like the sun and there's a rainbow coming out from his, from his head. And in his, his hand, and I, undoubtedly it's his left hand because his right hand will be lifted in a pledge. His, in his left hand is a little book. It'll be a scroll of some kind, which was open. And as John sees all of this, you, we remember he cried out like a lion roars and there was seven peals of thunder. And then this happens, verse 8. The voice which I heard from heaven... I heard again saying with me, speaking with me, and saying, 
Go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel. So in his dream, he walks over to this great tall angel and telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, take it and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter. But in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth, it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made sour or bitter. He gets, he's ill uh, by what he's eaten. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. See what's happening? Before he's going to speak or write the word of God, he is to eat the word of God. It must go in him. And, and it's not simply God says, here, read this scroll a minute and then prophesy. The, the, there's no accident in why God is having this vision. He's saying, I want you to consume this thing. Make it part of you. Put it deep in you. Because then out of you will come the word of God. This Example is drawn right off of something that happened to the prophet Ezekiel. It's the same process exactly. And I want you to see that. Go back to Ezekiel. Not so easy to find. It's right in front of Daniel. Which isn't easy to find either. So, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Uh, chapter 2. This is Ezekiel's call. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that Many of us would be giving great thanks if we did not have Ezekiel's call. Um, listen to what God says to him, beginning about verse 3. It says, Son of man, I'm sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I'm sending to you, you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. <laughs> How would you think? Thank you so much, Lord. Can I have another assignment? You shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, as for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Okay, great. I get to speak and they won't listen, but they'll know a prophet's been here. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor fear their words, though thistles and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions. Now there's a picture. Yeah. With you. And you... Uh, neither fear their words nor be dismayed at their presence for they are a rebellious house. So you're going to go out and speak and they're going to just criticize you and be cruel to you and uh, praise God that you're calling. Now, now verse 8, look what happens. Now you, son of man, listen to what I'm speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I'm giving to you. And then I looked, and behold, a hand was extended to me, and lo, a scroll was in it. And when he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and back. You recall, that's the same kind of picture you saw in, in chapter 5, verse 1, in the scroll that was in the Father's hand. And written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. So it's full of the judgments of God. Verse, chapter 3, verse 1. And then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat the scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me this scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll, which I am giving to you. And then I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. 
And Ezekiel does not comment on it making his stomach sour. And then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words with them. And then let your eye go down to verse uh, 8. Behold, I've made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. They're stubborn, but I'm making you stubborn, Ezekiel. Like emery, harder than flint, I've made your forehead. You are, what is that? A, a hardhead? <laughs> Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, son of man, take into your heart all my words, which I shall speak to you and listen closely. Would you notice God doesn't want his people to just read the word. He wants us to take it into our very being, become part of us, to change us inside before we speak his word to others. You getting this? We need to eat the word before we speak the word. And what God wants coming from us is his word. His word is what has power. Now just notice some of the things he did there with Ezekiel. Uh, first of all, it says he, by implanting his word of God, the word of God in him, he says, I'm going to make your forehead as hard as their foreheads. I'm going to make you as stubborn as they are. Do we live in a stubborn generation? Oh yeah. Do people want to change their ways and obey the Lord? No, no they don't. Now, as you, but you and I are called a minister to our generation. This is our assignment. We're not too different from Ezekiel, are we? Okay. Well, in order to have the kind of stubbornness it takes to deal with stubborn people, God has to put his word deep into us. See, the more you know the word, the more you know the word. You, you getting that? And that's what gives you the pizzazz to hold tight when, when, when people are assaulting you and all these confusing arguments are coming. Going, but the word of God says, but the word of God says, it has to go deep in us or we become blown off the mark. We don't have the, the wherewithal to stand in a stubborn and opposing generation. Secondly, it gives us authority when we speak because we're speaking his word, not ours. He says, when, they've, when you've spoken to them, they're going to know that a prophet has been there. They're going to know that I talk to them. They may not receive it, but they will know I'm the one talking to them, not you. It isn't just someone who comes with their own opinions, but people will know that God has spoken to them when the word of God comes into us. I want to make a distinction between knowledge and wisdom. In Daniel, and I give you the verse, you don't need to turn there. Daniel 12.4 <clears throat> says this, but as for you, Daniel, conceal these words, that would be the words of his prophecy that he wrote, and seal up the book until the end of time. In other words, people aren't going to really understand this book till the last days. Now, I believe the book of Daniel is making more and more sense in our generation, uh, which tells you where we are on God's calendar, okay? Many will go back and forth in the end times. In other words, travel the world looking for knowledge. Now all you have to do is go on the internet and you can be anywhere in the world, any library in the world, you know, you, can, you, you just, it's a whole new era. And notice the last phrase, and knowledge will increase. In the last days, knowledge will increase. I've seen several places this, this reproduced, but they've, 
they chart out various things about the human, human uh, history, and they show things like the population or the rise in knowledge or diseases or all kinds. And, and, and they call it the hockey stick uh, uh, curve. And you see from the beginning of time and then you see up to our modern day, you see this long, slow, straight line that hardly rises at all for century after century after millennia after millennia. And then you come to the last hundred years of human history. You seen these? And it just goes, zush. You're living in that zush. You're in a unique and a remarkable period of time. Human history has not been like the time we're living in now. We are in a remarkable time. In fact, there are more, there's at least as many people today alive, I think it's more people, alive on the planet at this moment than has ever existed before us. You wonder, why did Jesus wait? Why did he wait and delay his return? There's more people alive at this, at this second than have existed before us. That's why he waited. Got it? I mean, this makes, when you begin to see what's going on, it makes all the sense in the world. Knowledge also. I mean, think of it. You know, we're, you know, we're discovering the wheel and then fire and, 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 and stuff like that. And now you're into this time in which knowledge is just going off the charts. The knowledge of data and information on any area you want to look at, biological, mathematical, you name it. It's all there. So knowledge will increase. I want to make a distinction, though, between knowledge and what we're going after. Knowledge is information and data. It's a good thing if it's real knowledge. I would distinguish that from human wisdom. Human wisdom is, is also a good thing as long as it's wise. You know, you have, you have human wisdom that just comes, it's opinions that humans form out of their five senses. As they interact with life, they come up with opinions. Things like, even a dumb dog won't lick a hot stove twice. Now there's human wisdom. <laughs> good, good old common sense. Yeah, I used to work with a guy, and, and uh, it was, actually it was our youth minister and everything. And back down in Arizona, and he'd say, even a dumb dog won't lick a hot stove twice. And, and I, you know, that made sense to me. <laughs> I was uh, in Los Angeles at a, some meetings a while back, and, and uh, we were on a field trip visiting something, and I was talking with someone who worked at this particular place, and something rather strange was coming out in the conversation. And uh, he and I and just a couple of others were standing there interviewing this person. And I started asking these really probing questions because I'm alarmed. I'm like, what am I hearing here? And so I started asking very straight-to-the-point questions. And it's getting awkward. And uh, this guy's from Massachusetts. He's from Boston area. He's got this thick Boston accent. He's a really funny guy. And uh, I remember year, a while back we were at a meeting. It was horrifically boring. And we walked out and he said, I'd rather get, I, can't, I wish I could do a Boston accent, I'd rather get beaten by a bag of doorknobs than ever go through that again. You know, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I got to remember that. You know. So here I am sort of uh, focusing in on this issue, you know, and starting to ask these questions. And, and he kind of takes me aside and he says, Steve, when you see a, a, a live grenade on the ground, don't pick it up. Got it. See? 
common sense. There's, there's a level of human, knowledge, human wisdom that's a good thing. But I want to distinguish between knowledge and human wisdom and God's wisdom. Now, God's wisdom is a whole nother category. It is, and I'm going to paraphrase this from a pastor named Ray Stedman. It is those vital, essential truths which are absolutely necessary to the proper function of human beings on this earth. It is the truth about God and humanity without which people will fumble and falter and go off at loose ends, unable to handle life at all. God's wisdom. God is the one who can tell us how to live life. He can tell us why we're here, where we're going, what's valuable, what's not valuable, what's good, what's not good. God is the one who can tell us how to have a marriage, how to raise children. God is the one who has wisdom that will unlock the mysteries of this life so that you and I can succeed at it. And without God's wisdom, no matter how much knowledge you have, you'll fail at life. You can have people with enormous IQs, but they're not wise. IQs and wisdom almost have nothing to do with each other. Do they? Wisdom, the wisdom of God, is something very different. Every Christian must allow the Word of God to so change their mindset. Now, that's where the wisdom is. To so change their mindset that they handle life in a totally different way from the world around them. You know the old saying, if, we, if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. If you keep doing things like the world does them, or if you simply allow the television or magazine articles or books off the current bookshelf that, that uh, are, are, are world's wisdom, and you follow what they do, you'll get what they got. Do you like their marriages? Do, you like, do they all seem happy? If we follow celebrities, we're going to end up with celebrity lifestyles in the sense of at least broken marriages and a mess. God's wisdom is different than the world's wisdom. And here's the problem. We are just inundated with the world's thinking, aren't we? At every turn. No society on earth has ever been so assaulted mentally as this society. You are hammered incessantly. And if we're going to have God's blessings, if we're going to have the success in life that God wants us to have, we've got to unhitch our thinking from following the world. And we've got to think differently. And there is only one way that happens. And that is by not just reading it or having two or three favorite verses you quote a lot. It is by reading this book. It will brainwash you. How many need their brains washed? Yeah, amen. It, it's funny. You don't even have to know what's happening. When you read the book, it changes your thinking. It's a living book. I've, I've been in, in, in an, uh, I've had an LTG with some, uh, some of my neighbors, and we're just reading the word and watching the changes and, de and decisions that are going on in people. No one's preaching at anybody, but just by reading the Bible, uh, my, you know, a couple of my brothers are making remarkably new choices, seeing things in their lives that they never saw before. I mean, one guy would, would, have, would have absolutely claimed to be a Christian, but some of the behaviors in his life were just appalling for a Christian, from my perspective. 
And, but no one said anything. We just read through the book of Proverbs and he said, you know, I need to change something. Nobody preached at him. Nobody scolded him. Nobody threatened him. Nobody did anything. We just read Proverbs. And he went, whoa. His thinking started changing. There's no substitute for this and there's no other way to do it. You have to read it. Read it in the fashion that you eat it, you take it, you chew it, you digest it, you swallow it. You begin to interact with the book and let it change you. That's how the wisdom of God comes. I grew up uh, without a father. I met him when I was 50 years old. Uh, I had last seen him when I guess I was five. Um, so I had no fatherly input. And I'm going to, you know, many of you know my mother and your lover, and I do too. I'm going to tell you something. In our early years, uh, we didn't, she didn't know the Lord either. She was... She was at loose ends, shall we say. She, I mean, she, she took me to seances. I mean, we, we, she, she didn't know. Okay? So that's what I grew up with till I was 12 years old. That's when we met the Lord. And then, of course, it still took a while <laughs> yeah, for it to catch up. And... and uh, so I didn't grow up with, with wise counsel. And I ought to be a statistic. But the God I met at 12 was so real. And somehow, from that very moment, I knew this was his book. And I, I'll be honest with you, I have never questioned the authority of this book. I, and I've been subjected to more liberal assaults and, and education and, 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 the, and the arguments and all that than the most of us. I've been hammered. But inside my heart, I knew it was this book. And here's what I also knew. Every time I obeyed it, it worked. Have you found that? And I almost never like what it tells me to do. <laughs> Go and f Apologize. It's not like, oh, I like this stuff. But I find that whatever I do what the, the Word tells me to do, and I follow it, it always works. I had no model of a successful marriage. And I didn't have values being taught to me that would have produced a successful marriage. But this book became my father. I want to show you that. Proverbs chapter 2. This book can be your father. It can teach you and counsel you if you're willing to listen. Proverbs chapter 2. Now, Solomon is teaching this to his son. But I take it as the voice of the Lord to me as a son or a daughter. Look at just chapter 2. I'm going to just give you a sample of this. Listen to what the wisdom of God can do for a person where the Lord will become your father through his word. My son, verse 1, if you will receive my words, and that would be my daughter, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. See, choose to have a soft heart. Choose to listen. If, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures. Notice the investment there. 
If you want the wisdom of God, then you will mine the word of God. You will spend time in it. You'll put effort in it. You will search for it like silver and gold. Then, verse 5, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Not might, not maybe. If you seek for it and open my word, God says, I will give you knowledge and wisdom. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. And then, of course, just the book of, of Proverbs in this section is so full of these promises that if you will walk in the wisdom of God, it will bless you. I want to show you one sample. Chapter 3, verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For her profit, wisdom's profit, is better than the profit of silver, and her gain better than fine gold. She's more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Money can't buy what the wisdom of God will do for you. That's what he's saying. You, would, you, don't, you don't, if you have a choice between money and the blessing of God, which do you want? You want the blessing of God. It is far more valuable. Money cannot buy what the blessing of God can give you. The safety, the peace, even the prosperity. Money can't do it for you. What, 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 what the blessing of God can do. Long life is in her hands. No money will buy you that. And in her left, left hand are riches and honor. He's saying wisdom of God. When people gear their life according to the wisdom of God, there's riches and honor and long life that comes with it. Her ways are pleasant and her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. And happy are all who hold her fast. We need to let the word of God come in us in such a fashion that it changes the way we think. It changes our, the way we think about our sexuality. Our speech, our money, our promises, our goals, our enemies, our death. God has to change our thinking. Psalm 1 is, is such a beautiful psalm. It says, How blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, doesn't gear his life based on ungodly counsel. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, doesn't practice the sin that's going on around. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, those who are religiously and spiritually skeptical and, and, and sneer at the things of God and of the Holy Spirit. But he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. It bringeth forth his fruit in his season. No, I, I missed something. But his delight shall be in the law of the Lord, and in his law shall he meditate. How, how often? Yeah. Notice that. This, this, this prosperous, successful Christian meditates day and night in the Word of God. And what he says is he will be like a tree planted by a river of water. Well, in a dry land like Israel, to be near a river, even when the water is not flowing, there's underground water. And so those trees run their roots deep into that underground water. And it may be 110 degrees and not have rained for three months. But that tree is still green. See, it isn't dependent on the circumstances around it. It has a source you can't see. Got it? 
That's what he says. That, that men and women who will put their roots deep into the word of God will be like a tree so that even when the circumstances of life around them are absolutely intolerable, they will not fade. They will, their leaf also shall not wither. And then it says, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You will have a resource, a strength, and a blessing that cannot be affected by the life situations around us. Some of us are, maybe I should just say, I know I feel at times anxieties. I look at the world around me and I think, where are we going? This is crazy. This is insane. But the Bible says that if I'll put my roots into the word of God, even if the world's insane, the blessing of God and the prosperity of God in my life does not cease. Amen? I want to bring, tell you now some attitudes I bring to the study. The, the, these are values that are real to me. They're very deep and very important to me. But I want to, I want to make an application first. I'm going to be talking about how I prepare my own heart as a preacher. But I want you to know that I fully believe that every one of us is called to preach the word of God. I mean that, and I, I want to show you a verse um, that, that's, that, that affirms it. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. Yeah, there's lots of ways and lots of environments. I'm not saying we all have to go to the park and set up a, a pulpit. Um, but I do think there are going to be pulpits for you. I do think there'll be classes and opportunities and LTGs and I don't know how many places and opportunities. But God, one of the greatest gifts we bring to the world, people, is the Word of God. We bring life to them when we speak the Word of God. And it needs to come out of all of us. And uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. The author of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. It might have been Paul, but uh, it's very apostolic. It, whoever it is, is, is writing to uh, the, the, the Jewish church of that day and, 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 and affirming how they, they must stay faithful to Jesus Christ. And he makes this statement in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. Notice that. He's talking to the whole, he's talking to churches all over the, the, the Mediterranean. He's not just talking to an individual who's called with the gift of teaching kind of thing. He's talking to everybody. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you. Uh, what's, what's going on here? Why have you gone back yeah, to such a, a, a childlike level in your faith? The elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not food. But the point he makes is, there's enough time has gone by that you ought to be teaching others the Word of God. All of you ought to be teaching others the Word of God. So this, these values that I'm bringing out, I think are for all of us. That's what I mean. All right, here's the attitudes I bring to the study. Number one, when I, when I, when I go to my study, I believe that my study of the Word of God and preparing to, to teach it is one of the two most important things I do. The Word of God, and what's the other most important thing? And that is, not that I always have to lead it, but the worship, worship of the Lord and bringing His Spirit. I, I compare it to the bread and the wine of communion. The things that make the church alive and strong is when the church is fed the bread, which is the prophetic ta- teaching of the Word of God, so that the Word of God comes alive to us, 
and the new wine, which is the worship of the Lord until the Spirit of God comes upon us. We need the Spirit and we need the Word. And when we're fed those things, then everything else starts happening. All the other ministries, all the other things begin to come. But those are the two things that I focus on, is the new wine of the Spirit and the bread of the Word of God. Without the truths of the Bible, I believe that people are doomed to failure. Only it holds the secrets of life. And I've already described worldly knowledge versus godly wisdom. But it's so essential that I not stand up here and be funny or cute or entertaining, that I tell a lot of, 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 of extraneous stories or simply uh, pull worldly wisdom out and, and, and make it palatable. You and I, you and I, and by the way, I always, I always, the sermons are always for me first. I mean that. I consume them. They move my heart or I don't preach them to you. We need this. Our thinking keeps going upside down. It just, it's like gravity. As, as I get out into the world and I get into the dailiness of life and, and there's just the, the weariness and the opposition and all of that, my thinking goes upside down and problems get bigger and bigger. Uh, I feel more and more self-reliant trying to fix things and handle things in my flesh. That process just keeps happening to me. And so when I come to the Lord and I worship Him and when I hear the Word of God, my world turns right side up. And I suddenly remember, He's God. He's in charge. I can do all things through Christ. I have to reorient my thinking and think differently in order to walk with God. Amen? Thirdly, the entire Bible is the Word of God. If parts seem dead to me, it's because I don't understand them yet. Now, I know that when I say this kind of stuff, some of you will say, well, I tried reading it, you know, and I don't understand it. I got as far as Leviticus. <laughs> What's with that, you know? Listen to me. I mean, sometimes there's, there's wisdom in where you start. <laughs> and uh, I can help you find a better place uh, that maybe than Leviticus right now. But listen, listen to me. Every page is God breathed and if it doesn't bless you it's because you don't understand what it means I have I'll go back I remember the, I remember the first time God told me to preach through a book it was in Oak Harbor and he told me to Galatians here's my response Galatians saved by faith I mean I got two sermons and I'm out Preach through Galatians. Okay. And I'd never preach just verse, you know, right on through a Bible like I, like, a book like I do now. Well, about six months later, I came out saved. <laughs> I mean, I, it so changed my thinking. I got in there and I thought, oh, I had no idea. You know, I, I'd read it many times. See, there's a superficial level. You go to a superficial level just reading it. But when you start dealing with it verse by verse, when you engage this thing and you don't jump over the hard parts, that's why I write you the daily Bible study. I am forcing myself to produce something that I have to put in the bulletin. So it is just, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's a, a gun at my head. And I put it there on purpose to force myself to have to be in the Word of God. It takes me eight to ten hours a week to produce for you that daily Bible study. 
It would be nice if you read it. But even, <laughs> even if you don't, I'm serious, even if you don't, I have to do it because I can't preach. It's amazing. Several years ago, the Lord had, had me go into the book of Exodus. I thought, Exodus, I can get as far as chapter 13 and then it's desert from there on. <laughs> Pun intended. Okay. And, yeah. I couldn't think what I would preach in that book. I thought, oh, man. It took me two years to go through the book of Exodus. I, I counted, I had 44 sermons through the book of Exodus. And when it came to an end, I was really sorry to see it go. I was embarrassed at how little I understood of that book. I, was, I learned so much about Jesus Christ. I learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I learned about things that just opened my world out of the book of Exodus. You see, but when I read it through the other times, it's like, whatever. I mean, you know, there's some good things, but you following where I'm going? I'm telling you the whole book's alive, but you've got to eat the book. Not just read it casually. You've got to chew it and digest it. You've got to let God open it up to you. You've got to want to know it. You get on your belly sometimes before God and say, I do not understand. Show me. This book is meant to be revelation, not some hidden mystery book of mysteries. He wants you to know his word. It's very important to him. So the spirit will teach you the word of God. It's also, you'll find the more you study it, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. It gets easier and easier as the time goes on. More pieces start fitting together. Number four, we're called to preach the Bible, not our opinions. I believe the pulpit is a place for God's word, not mine. You'll notice I don't spend a lot of time doing idle stories or being funny or telling sort of jokes just to loosen us up and all that kind of junk. To me, I was taught that this is a holy desk. That this place is where the word of God is to be preached. It's not a soapbox. It's a pulpit. It's not a place for my opinions. I have no right to speak my opinions here. I should go somewhere else and stand somewhere else if I'm going to tell you my opinions. But I have no right to stand at his desk. At this desk, the word of God is to be spoken. It's holy and it's his. You understand? And so... That's, that's, the, that's the assignment. It's the assignment for you too. See, the authority that will come in your life is when you start speaking stuff that's right out of the Word of God. There's a resonance in people's hearts. When I'm preaching something that's accurate with the Word of God, you know that your own heart bears witness, doesn't it? You, you're reading that and you're going, it says it, he's right. And, and, there's, and, and you can't get away from it. But when I, if I'm off and I'm into my own opinions or something, there's something that kind of goes, What? Like, I mean, seven thunders. I actually think that was a good sermon. But, but, but if I'd have told you what they said, you should have gone, what? You know. The authority resides in his word, not mine. And until the word burns in me, it won't burn in them. That's what it means. To, notice it. John was to eat this thing and swallow it. And it made him sick to his stomach. Why? Because it was full of judgments and sadness. The, the wrath of God and the persecution of the Antichrist. All these things he was going to have to prophesy were in his stomach. And it affected him. The word of God has to affect us. We have to respond to it uh, spiritually and emotionally. And let it, let it do its work in us and burn in us. And then when it burns in us, it burns in those we share it with.
Where do we begin? Well, first of all, we need to force ourselves, I think, to keep learning. By, I, I do it by preaching through books of the Bible. That's why you keep having this happen. I'm forcing myself to engage stuff I don't know and seek the Lord, and it keeps me alive and feeds me. Don't skip the hard passages. Secondly, watch for the life-changing truths the Bible raises as you study. Just this week, I mean, it happens often. Just this week, I was, I was writing the daily Bible study for, for chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And it's the part where, where, Zeke, where John is told to measure the temple. And I didn't know what that really, you know, I'm looking at that. And, and then the Holy Spirit starts opening it up and showing me what it means. And I saw it so clearly that it was eerie. What God's prophesying about the last days is so clear that it's not muddy. It's very concrete. And I stood there watching that and I just began to weep. It's what a privilege to have the Holy Spirit showing you the things of God. I mean, there's just nothing so sweet to me John ate the word and it was sweet. It was sweet. I schedule sufficient uninterrupted time to do it. I just encourage you somewhere, schedule time. Make it a regular, disciplined part of your life. Not something you do occasionally. I write down the insights God gives me. I call them, it's the daily Bible study. But I encourage you to have a journal. And write down and do the same kind of thing. I consider that God is first of all speaking to me. And that I must obey what he's shown to me. So easy to go through the Bible and say this is what they need to hear. But you know it's also easy for you to sit there and listen to me preach and say this is what my brother-in-law needs to hear. There are people who are always listening going, boy, I, got so- I know somebody who needs to hear this. And it's a diversion. As though I don't need to hear it, but boy, my wife does. No, I'll bet you do too, you know, if it's the word of God. So I start with the same thing. I don't, I don't preach at you. I'm, I, I feed myself, and I hear it four times a weekend. And if it's any good, I'm blessed. Because it's the word to me. It's my word too. It's the living word of God. And then I consider it finally a great privilege to teach his word. I know you might feel intimidated or you might feel scared. You might say, who will listen to me? I'm going to tell you something. When you, stu- when you eat the word of God, people will listen to you. Because it will come out in your speech even when you don't know it. It transforms you. There's an authority and people will know a prophet has been among them. And you don't have to be preachy or, ag- or unduly aggressive or anything else. You will be full of the word and it will come out of us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Years ago, uh, when my wife and I were first married, uh, we attended for about four years uh, the early Calvary Chapel with Chuck Smith. It was in a little church when it started and then went into a tent and all kinds of things were happening. But the thing about Chuck Smith's preaching was it made me love the Word of God. And he would, he would, everybody in the church in those days, I don't know if it still is, but everybody in the church had to read 10 chapters a week in the Old Testament. Then we got to the New, it was five. And we go through the Bible every two years. I mean, he just kept, he just pounded us through the Bible. Over and over and over through the Bible. He would on Sunday night preach through that entire 10 chapters. 
I can no more do that than fly. Uh, uh, he can do it magnificently. And then on a Thursday night, he'd be verse by verse, verse by verse through Daniel or verse by verse through Romans. And, and so that's where you get my daily Bible study. I'm trying to do that. I'd have Mary drive home. It was 60 miles. And uh, I'd have my Bible open and I'm reading it out loud and preaching it and, and poor old Mary, you know. And, but it did something to me. He put a love in me for the Word of God. Two years ago, I think it was, um, Nathaniel Van Cleve died. And Nathaniel Van Cleve was uh, Chuck Smith's mentor and teacher. Chuck was Foursquare before he uh, went independent. And, and uh, Dr. Van Cleve died. And I happened to be at meetings in Los Angeles. And uh, I went to the funeral and Chuck preached it. And he, he used Corinthians 15 and, and quoted it verse by verse with, from memory. Almost most of the chapter, and then preached it as he went. It was awesome. And he was just as anointed as he's ever been. I said to the leader next to me, I said, you know, I've always wanted to thank him. And uh, married often told me, you need to write that man and tell him thank you. And I never had the guts to do it. And I said, I, I've been meaning to thank him. And he says, well, come on. And he grabbed me by the sleeve. He went to school with him. And so up he goes, he says, Chuck, this guy wants to say something to you. <laughs> Can I have your autograph? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I, and I just, and I told him about what I said to you just now. And I said, you did something to me. It's never gone away. I still try to do in my way what you did. And he said, I said, you put this love in me. And he said, you know, it's like this. He said, it's like when you throw a pebble in a pond it, the ripples go out from it. And he said, someone put that love in me. And Dr. Van Cleve would have been one of those people. And he said, and if I've been part of putting that in you, he said, I just pray that that love will go from you to others and from them to others. And I want to pray right now that God, you know, my preaching is not meant to be the primary teacher for you for the word of God. I want you studying it for yourself. I want you to love it. I, I want to so preach that you want to study it for yourself and that you kind of leave me in the, back, in the background as you go on into the Word. This is really meant to give it, it's an appetizer. It's not the main meal. So let's pray. And I'm going to just ask that God would endue us as a people with that deep love for the Word of God. Praise you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have given us your word. You have breathed it through your prophets, through your apostles. Lord God, we thank you for it. And we ask you today that you would fill our hearts with a love for your word. Not just an interest, not some commitment mentally, but a deep, passionate longing for it. So that we would eat the word of God and we would digest it and become part of our lives. Oh God, fill us with a passion for it. That we can't be without it. That we must find time to read it and to let it teach us and to transform our thinking until the godly wisdom guides us into blessing and prosperity and fruitfulness. Oh God, put that hunger within us for the bread of the word of God. 
Now, if you are agreeing with my prayer and you're asking for that gift, would you say, yes, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' powerful name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's lifelessonspublishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.